everybody. Welcome to the Two Devs and a Dude podcast presented by Wraith Games. I'm Jay Kidd, creative director at Wraith Games, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. I'm Cajun Coder. I am a host of the Indie View podcast and a game developer working on my first game, Rocket Box. And I am the dude, I guess, of this podcast, Grant McClure of Game Over Game On. So yeah, um, this is our very first episode, the pilot. So we're going to be making all sorts of mistakes, and we're going to be taking all sorts of risks right here. Um, but I hope that you enjoy and stick around for episode two, three, and beyond. Uh, so the big point of this podcast right here is for us to do every two weeks. We're going to get together and talk about interesting things in game news. We're going to talk about them, and then we're going to uh, explain them to the audience, do some discussion, and then we're going to tell you how you're going to be able to get involved. And then the other episodes we do, two episodes a month, is going to be us playing a particular game, and we're going to be joined by a rotating fourth seat of guests, someone in the game industry, And we're going to do it sort of like a book club for games. We're all going to play the games separately, and they come together and discuss them. So uh, why don't we start this off uh, with Grant's article today? Uh, You know, that way you can sort of get a feel for what kind of flavor we have to offer you. So Grant, why don't you pick that on up? All right. uh, So basically, I don't, anyone who's in the, uh, has, I guess, their thumb on the pulse, not thumb on the pulse, but that's the wrong way. So if anyone who's kind of, paying attention to the gaming industry right now. One of the hot topics is gun control and violence in video games because due to the shooting that's happened in, that happened in Florida. First started with, well, the first actual uh, article that was picked up, I believe, was Polygon. Polygon or Kotaku, one of those two. I'm not exactly sure. But it is the governor of the great state that I live in, Kentucky. But Matt, Mev- Matt Bevin was on a radio show and he talked about how the reason why the, there's violence, he blames the violence that's going on with the youth on the culture and violence in video games. Since it's kind of close to home, you know, with him, with the governor of the, my state's involvement, that's why I wanted to talk about it. But going for- further into, we also have Trump going into it and him discussing that. But I'm going to try to, we're going to keep this non political. We're not going to discuss the governor, we're not going to discuss the president. We're only going to keep this to the point of games culture, the violence in video games, and the influence, I guess, that it has on people. I mean, I I guess it's probably a pretty good thing that you're going to try to keep it apolitical, um, mostly just because we don't want our readers or our listeners to tune out on the very first episode, but also because... uh, one of us, me, uh, I'm from Ohio, so I know nothing about Kentucky politics. And then Cajun, you're from Texas, right? Yeah, I'm uh, Southeast Texas. Oh, you're in, oh, yeah. I thought you were from Louisiana. That's why your name was Cajun, but wow. Oh, <laughs> my last name is Cajun, and uh, uh, really, and I grew up literally, uh, Orange, Texas is where I grew up, and the city limit is the state border. We are the easternmost uh, town in Texas. Oh, okay, all right. Gotcha. So, yeah. so even though it's still it's technically Texas, it's still very much Cajun uh, country in some respects. Okay. All so, right. so I don't think I don't think you know much about uh, <laughs> uh, Kentucky politics either. No, no. It, it's I don't even want to get into it because it, it makes me very angry and stuff, and it's very different from my political view. So I'm not going to get it, get into the current state of Kentucky's political. <laughs> I, I agreed, but and I think us uh, going at it from a non-political view. I mean, everyone expects this to be. Oh, here's you know the political view. You're either with it or you're against it. And I think us approaching this from a non-political view as gamers, like the like 
how we view the violence in games ourselves is a little bit different than you know what most people would be expecting. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, who you, who wants to speak? I can speak my piece, or you all can say your thing and elaborate, or who, whatever. Well, this is your article. So go ahead, man. Okay. My whole view on it. Um. I yes, video games are violent. Everyone knows that. But those games, we have the ESRB, which was established in the '90s because of the violence that was in video games, because people are afraid about the influence it would have on our youth. Okay, that's already there. That the So there's no need for Trump to meet and do all this other stuff. So And then in the 90s, we also had this huge attack on the games games industry anyways because of the controversy of GTA. If Because if anyone's been around is my age or a little older, they know they understand what what's his name? Uh, Jack Thompson. Jack Thompson, yeah. Wasn't he Florida governor? Mm-hmm. That sounds right. That sounds I right. I think so. He was, yeah. Gov- governor, he was a senator, someone Florida, some southern state. And he was attacking the games industry and wanted to ban them and regulate them and reduce violence and all this other stuff. So that, that was in the 90s. So my first thought when this whole article came out was, are we really back to this point where we're blaming entertainment for violence? And I'm going to try to keep this also non-gun control and all this other stuff. Just strictly games, and it's going to be very difficult for me to try to say that without, you know. So violence in video games, in my, it, my perspective, it hasn't affected me. And as a father of two kids, I understand that you want to shelter. As a parent, you're supposed to shelter your children. The game's rated M for uh, mature for a reason. You should not buy it for your child, even if the child wants it. I don't play games that are rated teen or mature around Roxas. I don't do it because I guess I'm a proper uh, parent. I'm, I'm, and also I'm conscious of what I'm doing as I guess as a gamer to not expose my child to things that they're not their mind isn't really developed for. Exactly, I'm I'm with you, dude, because I've got a five year old. Um, you know, I, I don't think shelter is the right term, um, you know, because as parents, we're, uh, sheltering gives a connotation that, you know, we're trying to keep the bad things in the world hidden from them, and at least with my son, you know, I, I, bad things happen, you know, uh, would, like, we would go out in the backyard when he was, like, two and three, and he would step on the bug, stuff like that, and I would teach him, you know, about death, and as much as a, a toddler kind of saying, you know, when you squish that, it stops moving, it's done for good, you know? And so it's, we're, we're, we have, as parents, we have to coach the kids through yeah. life. We have to guide them, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily um, shelter them from it, but expose them to parts that they can understand and handle as they reach a maturity level that they can conceptually understand things. Yeah. Now, um, the thing is that uh, I'm not a parent, even remotely. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of kids in general. Um, and uh, yeah, I know the amount of can of worms that's that's going to open yeah. up. No, but, I, mean, um, I do have. I'm sorry, but you do understand like that whole the concept behind that though. So I'm not. You're selling yourself short. Yeah. Well, I, that's the thing is. Um, I actually uh, I have a nephew. Um, uh, I say nephew. He's the the son of a friend of mine. Um, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use his name on air. Uh. Uh, I don't think he'd he'd want that. Um, Though I don't know. No, hopefully he's listening and hopefully he'll let me know whether or not uh, I should have used his name or not. Um, But anyway, the thing is that uh, when his son was was fairly young, uh, six or seven, uh, he would on occasion let him play teen and M-rated games. And the interesting thing behind this was that he, as a father, played all of these games completely through from start to finish. 
And what he did is say, no, no, my son is ready for the content in here because not all M-rated games and not all teen-rated games are universal. They're not all the same reasons they're rated teen or M. And there were definitely points where he's like, no, my son will definitely not play this game because it's way too sexualized. It's way too violent. Um, He has an understanding of his kids' needs and, excuse me, an understanding of where his child is developmentally Mm -hmm. uh, to know what he can and cannot handle. And I just think that there are so many parents, even parents who – who you know claim to be actively involved in the lives of their children's entertainment and, and things like that, who don't really want to understand anything about the the ESRB. They don't really want to to say, okay, I'm going to say no to my child because I I realize this game is objectionable. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 kind of sad. But where where we have my friend right here, um, he is he's personally vetting out every single game that he plays, and I think that. Might be a little too much for some parents, um, but at the same time, he also has a keen understanding of how the ESRB works, yeah. and I don't see that in a lot of parents. It's sad. Well, we're also from uh, we're from a different generation. Like if I was my parents, my parents didn't they didn't care what I would play. I'm trying to keep this PG because I guess you, we want to try to broaden the audience. That I'm trying not going to use a lot of profanity. It's very yeah. hard for me. Very hard. Oh, but- oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> My parents didn't, they didn't know. They didn't, they saw the ESRB, whatever. They didn't care. They really didn't care. If I wanted a game, but also I guess my parents understood that I was, I guess I could, I would understand it because by the time video games were getting to the point where they were violent and like GTA, when GTA 3 came out, I was 14, 15 years old and it's rated M, but I, you know, I'm almost, I'm almost an adult. And I was yeah. in middle school, going into high school, stuff like that. So I guess they would—they assumed that I would have the, the 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 mental capacity to understand what was going on in the game and to understand that it is fantasy, it's fiction. This is not real life. Mm-hmm. So, but the, yeah, I would uh, kind of expect any, any even early teenagers to have the basic moral comprehension that. If you you can't just go around acting like the character in GT any of the GTA games. Or you just hijack cars and can beat people with a pipe or a gun. You know, it's just... I feel like that's a very basic part of being a member of society. Yeah. It's actually... Oops, sorry. So, go go ahead, Jay. It's actually pretty funny because... I remember uh, two things. One was an actual study that was done a few years ago where um, they had kids watch – it was kids and adults actually um, – watch clips of, um, of violent acts inside of movies. And then they would also have them watch uh, clips of actual violent acts. Um, and what they – I think they hooked them up to polygraph tests. And – no, it wasn't polygraph. Uh, it, was, it was something else. It was, was something it the- that like – uh, the brain thing but, where they put the little cage or something over their head that's supposed to regu- like pick up brain signatures or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, the 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 parts of their brain that lit up um, for the real violence was very very different. Um, and they also would ask them. They would talk to the the, the people after they saw what they saw, and uh, the the people were incredibly disturbed by the real violence, um, even though in many cases it was a lot less flashy. Um, like one of the, one of the clips was, uh, was a gentleman, uh, committing suicide and you just basically, and I actually watched the clip myself, um, because I was, I was watching a documentary on the study, um, and they included it. Um, it was, it was a loud bang. 
the guy, the man dropped to the floor, and that was it. Uh, there was no blood. There, there was anything like that. He just bang, drop, and it was it was viscerally unsettling. And uh, people who who watch clips, you know, including that and, and clips of others, um, were were really taken aback by by what was real, showing that even at early ages, you are capable of separating what is real violence and what isn't. And I think that there are a lot of sociologists who agree uh, that that's the case. Yeah. And that, yeah, but in speaking of that, that branches off to from the video game part to into goes into the little bit of, um, you know, that some people of society and the violent crimes that were have been committed via gun violence possibly were not of an average mental state or the, yeah. the, the social norm mental state and that they were possibly disturbed or had deficiencies in their coping capability capabilities and stuff like that. But it's, it's kind of fascinating. Um, uh, two points on this. Um, point number one is there's the great question of does violent media breed more violent people or are violent people merely more attracted to violent media? Um, and one of the things that leads right in from that is oftentimes news outlets what they'll do is they'll report on someone who has done something terrible, um, like mass shooters and things, and they will, instead of saying, oh, here, here's all this information, they'll, they'll look and say, hey, did this person play violent video games or did this person play video games at all? And what's fascinating to realize is um, most people play video games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like the idea of a gamer is non-existent anymore. As much as I self-identify as a gamer, um, the, the idea that, that there's just one particular set of person who plays video games is ludicrous. Um, especially when you also consider that the average uh, player of games um, is in their, their 40s to 50s. Um, both male and female. Uh, I'm just thinking, like, you know, in the age of the iPhone and Android everywhere, you know, how many, you know, grandmas that you wouldn't expect to be a gamer are, like, level 800 on freaking Bubble Pop or Bejeweled or whatever the, you know, Angry Birds. I mean, how many three- and four-year-olds have mastered mobile games that the three of us would go, okay, I'm done with after, like, an hour, you know? Yeah. Gamers no, are, I, I, it's everyone, I, I, everywhere. I think there does still need to be a distinction made between, you know, violent video games and non-violent video games in this discussion. I'm not saying that, like, the media is necessarily saying all video games are inherently bad, but when they do focus in, they are specifically saying, did this person play violent video games? And when you look statistically at all the people who do play violent video games, it's, it just seems like it's almost everyone. Like saying, right. Yeah, it's it, it's like looking back in the '90s and said, "Oh, oh, he watched Schwarzenegger movies, therefore he had to be a killer." You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, who didn't watch Schwarzenegger movies? You know, back in the '90s, yeah. it's like going back to the uh, Columbine, even far back, like the most highbrow, which caused uh, Jack. Thompson to Thompson. do his yeah the whole thing like how out of all the all the teenage kids that played Doom they were there were those two who did the Columbine stuff they they played Doom they made mods and stuff that but who else made mods for Doom who, what other people their age played Doom and did not commit violent, my, violent acts my concern about Doom uh, like I, I I love how you bring up Columbine here because this has this is actually really fascinating they specifically 
made maps of their school in Doom. Um, and they use that to do test runs of what they would do during the killing. Yeah. And that's that's weird, but at the same time, and this is this is a confession from me, um, and I, I didn't play Doom uh, back in the day, but um, I was involved in game development from a fairly young age. I would make games... I was I was making mods for games using maps of my school. Yeah. Um, nothing nothing like killing anyone or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, it's just uh, an easy reference point to be able to design a world, though. Yeah, it's like exactly trying to you take it like with my construction background. Like if I wanted to think about remodeling something, if I ever wanted to get into remodeling and stuff, where would I? The easiest way for me to start would be to take my house, a drawing of my house, from my head. And be like, okay, if I had an infinite amount of money, how would I design this? Yeah. Yeah. It's just you take something you know, and then you cater it to something you want to learn. Exactly. I think I think at that point, they were using the tools and the reference points they had available to them. And then from that point, and I, I can't speculate on someone's psychological condition. That's not, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. But I think I think that maybe later, that's when they sort of got the idea of... Well, maybe we could do this for real, um, but that's an entirely different thing because I like I, I think their case is uniquely fascinating. Yeah, uh, in yeah. that they did indeed model their school in this game, whereas if you look at all of the other cases, no one else did that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So if if any case could be could be made. At most, maybe column line, maybe, yeah, and even then, it would be hard to argue. But that's that's but these others, yeah. But n- it, none of it falls back to the developer, though. The developer's um, intent was never to create a violent game or a game that has vi- uh, even hyper violence as Doom, even the new Doom, where it's bloody and visceral and gory and just yeah. it's utterly gorgeous. It's beautiful. The game is itself. It's a fantastic and beautiful game. But I mean, it, the the id software didn't develop that game to create psychopathic children to commit violent crimes that's not the exactly. developers intentions that's not what they meant to serve uh the reason why they created it they created it to tell a story that just happened to be the medium that the story has fallen into and it's it's actually pretty funny um because id software specifically even before the ESRB was the thing they were putting warning labels on their games um i remember the original uh, wolfenstein 3d which was a favorite of mine growing up um, when the first several times I went to go play it, um, you know, it has that little warning before you play it. And it's, um, it's like adults 13 plus, And I'm like, Oh, Oh, this is, this is risque. You know what I mean? Um, to the point where I wasn't brave enough to play it until I was 13, <laughs> um, which, yeah, cause I'm a, I'm a sucker like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I'm like, Oh, Nope. The label says I can't play it. Um, but, but, even pre ESRB, these were n- they were not making these things for unsupervised people. They were saying, "No, we do not feel this is appropriate." Yeah, they knew that their demographic would be the more mature people, adults, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. late teenagers and adults. It's like you don't make an R-rated movie, like a Schwarzenegger movie, like Rambo. For ten-year-olds to go see, you know, you don't make Deadpool 
for eight-year-olds, like the kid behind me and mine went to go see it. I turned around and went, no, Grandma, no, uh-uh. The actor has said, don't take your kids to this. And Ryan Reynolds said, don't bring your kids to this because it's not, a, I mean, they the creators know their market and it is not the young audience on these. And it, it's it's so telling that many times, you know, people who are, who are complaining that they're like, oh, no, my kid saw this terrible thing. It's like, look. I'm sorry, but your TV has a TV rating. It tells you what age is appropriate. Your movies have a movie rating. And your video games have a video game rating. Like, it's right there. Yeah. If, if you, and I, I, I don't mean to be per, uh, like really sort of stoking the flames here, but if you are stupid The enough, general you. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying you, obviously, as in a, if a person, and I, I don't want to be like stoking the flames, but still, if a, a person is stupid enough to say, yes, Jimmy, I look at this rating, I know this is rated R, and I know you're seven years old, but I don't care. It's not like the ESRB isn't, like their sticker specifically says, this contains nudity, this contains violence, this contains tobacco use. Anyone who does not understand the rating system is not trying exactly it all and it all comes full circle back to the parents or the parental guardian yeah. of the child i mean it, 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 it can i, I just add, just real fast can i add my two cents as a sports baller real fast like on <laughs> yeah, violence absolutely. and yeah. games okay so you know the stereotypical thing when a gamer gets mad is they throw the controller right you know they rage quit and all that so you know how many times i've thrown my controller in my life maybe a couple of dozen you know what I played for, like, half my life? Golf. And you know how many whacks and divots at the ground intentionally I've taken? A few hundred. <laughs> it's like, if, we, if we're wanting to argue what incites more violence, go play a round, nine holes of golf, and then go play a couple of levels on a hard game. Tell me which one you are more actively pissed off at, okay? Yeah. <laughs> well, even talking about that, like you, if we, you want to branch off a little bit and go into a little sidebar or something, we can even talk about contact sports, the violence in that. We can talk about the violence on television and all that other stuff. I mean, there's violence in everything, but in the nitty gritty down to the wire, the bottom part is it, it all falls, falls back to the guardian, the parent taking the responsibility to educate themselves to know and knowing their child or children or whatever, the mental cap, mental ca uh, the mental capacity, not intelligent wise capacity is not what I mean. The um, I guess emotional the emotional intelligence. Yeah, the emotional intelligence of the child and being able to comprehend what they're playing. I um, this is this is something too. Um, uh, Penn and Teller, uh, the, a few years ago they did Penn and Teller's BS. Um, and again, I'm also going to try really hard not to swear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you you can probably guess what the the show is actually called. Um, they did a segment on um, violent video games themselves, and it was really fascinating. I encourage all of you to go seek that out. Um, well, okay, literally not all of you, because I don't know the age of you here. That is that if, is a if an you're an adult show. Yeah, yeah. If you're an adult, watch it, please. Um, they they took a child who I believe he was ten or eleven, and he played violent video games all the time. GTA was one of his favorites. They took him to a gun range, and he broke down crying. What? That's fascinating. It was. Oh, you have to look up this clip when you get wow. the chance. Um, he broke down crying, and he he explained that like 
Um, he doesn't want, uh, cause they, they weren't asking him to like shoot people or anything, but, uh, but in that he was pleading, he's like, I don't want to kill people. I don't, I don't, I just want to play my games. He even, even this child, yeah. um, because their parent, the parents were absolutely convinced. They're like, no, he's fine with the video games. He's not a troubled child. He's not, he doesn't start fights at school. He's fine. We believe that he's emotionally mature enough to play this. And clearly they were right. Um, because this kid, oh man, it was it was heartbreaking yeah, the, seeing him cry at this gun range. The kid was like, I don't, uh, he's like, I shoot things in games. I know that it's fake. I know that I'm not hurting anyone. He's like, I, I, I don't ever want to intentionally hurt anyone. Exactly. And, and even then they explained, they explained like you are at a gun range, you know, he just didn't even want to have anything. Uh, they had a- people just innately being able to tell the difference you know, a real violent event versus a fin- fantastic, a, a violent event, be it in a movie or you know a video game. And I will put I will put an asterisk on that for for just one one reason for this, uh, just so our audience is is completely clear. Um, children, I believe, under the age of four cannot distinguish fantasy from reality. That is part of a developmental cycle for normal, uh, healthy children. But we are talking, we are talking like beyond four years old. Yeah, when, they when are cognitive capable. thought starts to develop. Yeah, exactly. Or abstract yeah, exactly. thought. Abstract. Preteen, so probably like eight, nine, ten at the youngest. Yes, absolutely. The kids who, like, no one's going to have their three-year-old play GTA anyway. They just don't have the thumbs for it. Uh, let's, be, <laughs> let's be real. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it, I love that. That's your pragmatic concern. No. Okay. I, well, I, I, remember, remember, I have this nephew, uh, my friend's, my friend's son. Um, we were trying to teach him to play Smash Brothers, and he was like four. And uh, no, it was bad. He yeah. does not. Children do not have the thumbs for this. Yeah. A parent wouldn't want to take the time to try to teach their kid GTA at that age. Yeah. Trust me. Um, they do not have the mental focus to be able to stay on one objective for more than five seconds i exactly i I actually have real life experience in reference to this so my (laughs) my son roxas which i i've mentioned him in go go numerous times so i don't care about the name and all that other stuff so but you already mentioned him once before here too oh i okay well so (laughs) i I don't know i'd do you ever get to that point? Well, here we go here we go here comes that side tangent and stuff that we're probably going to be known for so you know how sometimes when you're just you know so focused on an objective that you forget everything before and you're only thinking of, thinking of the after. Uh huh. Yeah, that's what I do when I podcast. I just <laughs> just just the just the gar the just start yelling into a tin can for whoever how long and whatever I said I don't even remember. <laughs> Listen, the uh, st- guys on stuff you should know literally went on a ten minute tangent about buying pillows in the mall. To start one of their episodes, and they're one of the top-rated podcasts on the internet. I think we're gonna be okay. Yeah. No, I. We, I don't. I don't really think that um, uh, anyone's gonna really complain as long as we're entertaining while we yeah, do it. I yeah. don't think people are gonna be upset that we're off-topic. Yeah. No, uh, it's cool. Jake and I went on a whole tangent about um, Overwatch, and um, I think we were talking about Doomfist, and I believe we were talking about Bastion, and somebody bashing ping on someone or something that kind of so 
It was it was a weird one. So many questions. I'm not sure I want the answers to on that one. Uh, uh, to, for, to keep this um, show PG or PG-13, I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> okay but yeah no um so i have a nintendo switch which r.i.p at the moment it's broken and it's being shipped to my house so i broke it it, it it died my nintendo switch died. yeah yeah uh yeah C- uh, appreciate the condolences and all that other stuff listeners out there uh thank you for the thoughts and prayers um my heart is very sad but um it went to the doctor and it has been fixed and it is being shipped back. So, uh, Doctor Mario, I hope. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Nintendo, Doctor Nintendo himself, Reggie Fizume himself, fix my <laughs> Switch, and um, yeah. <laughs> it comes back with a note. It's just a picture of him. Your Switch is Reggie. Yeah. No. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing though if all like Nintendo repair devices came back with a picture of Doctor Mario, like somehow on it. It would. No, that would be amazing. Um, they used to, back, 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 back in the day, they had a little mechanic Mario um, for, it was around the NES or the SNES era. Um, he had a backwards cap, and he had different overalls, and he had a wrench, and anytime you sent your stuff in for repair, um, they would they would come back with a, with a little seal with that on it, and um, I remember that quite fondly, but no, it'd be great for Dr. Mario. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. guys, I, th- I think we've just officially gone on a tangent on yeah. a tangent. Well, no, it's cool. Well, In episode uh, no, one, hey, 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 I'm, I'm wait, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. So I was teaching. I, yeah, I have the switch. Yeah. I have the switch. So I was teaching. Roxas wanted to play Mario, so I handed him the switch. I think the Pro Controller. I've handed him the Pro, pro Controller, and I've also handed him with the two Joy Cons together in the the Joy Con pad or whatever. So he's playing Mario. He's three, three and a half. If, uh, and he just basically what happens every time he gets a controller and he's saying whether it's Kingdom Hearts because I've tried to teach him how to play that Mario for obvious reasons Zelda yeah uh, I- any of those sorts of things he basically takes it the camera goes up into the sky over the head it's looking face down at him and it just kind of spins and he's just like I don't know what I'm doing or the camera goes underground and just spinning all over because he can't he doesn't have the 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 motion the the what what are they called? The fine motion controls to use two fingers doing two motor separate, skills. Yeah, the fine motor skills to to figure it out at the moment. So I I have personal experience of why what Jay is talking about. You don't want to go. It, it's a pain in the butt. I love the kid. How old is he, man? He's he's three. He'll he'll be uh, well. He'll be four in May, but he's three and he's closer to four than three. But dude, Wyatt is five and he is kicking my ass in minecraft once he gets those skills he's gonna take off i promise yeah no good um my son will never touch minecraft ever until he can go get a job and buy something that can run it himself oh wow i mean he can that was the most controversial he's got my old uh hand-me-down phones is what he's playing it on that and um uh the xbox that we have two controllers for so we play it together yeah no, it's just a part of me. I I do not I I understand Minecraft, understand the significance, and I understand how amazing and incredible that it is. I understand it. I do not like it, and I don't want Roxas playing it because it's just basically Legos. And if he wants to play Legos, I can go buy some Legos and we gonna play some Legos. 
So the the thing about Legos that's actually really kind of funny, uh, as far as like Minecraft is concerned, uh, is that uh, Legos are really expensive, and yeah. Minecraft is a one time investment. I was literally about to say, if you want to save money, a lot of money, <laughs> do multiple copies of Minecraft rather than multiple Lego sets. I promise. Unless, you, someone, unless you can guilt someone, relatives into getting them for you, of course. As someone who still buys Legos, and also I know, I, like, one of my friends is actually a Lego artist. Um, that's her medium, is Legos. Dope. Um, as, and then uh, Christy, uh, my fiance, who's also the the programmer, one of the programmers for Wraith, um, her sister also is a huge Lego collector. So Lego is, is part of my life for a long, long time. Um Legos are way too expensive. Um, yes, whereas are. Minecraft, I'm like, oh my god, it's it's great. I don't have to buy more Le- I, Legos. I still do, and I hate it. I hate myself for it. But yeah, yeah. I, I bought um the terror. I I have. Well, I'm a fan of Rick and Morty. I like Rick and Morty. Hate the fan base. Mm-hmm. Love the love the show. I'm talking about the mass fan base that went went. Oh, I, sorry. I'm aware. Yeah, everyone who's yeah who went they went crazy about those Sachuan sauce and running on the gr- just just crazy just making a fool out of yourself. Yeah, kind of thing. I don't I, I I don't like that fan base. I like the show. The show's very smart and intelligent. But I bought, same here. I bought the McFarland Toys makes like a Lego playset of like South Park, uh, Steven Universe, and all this other stuff. But quality mediocre so I, I i they're fun to put together except when your three-year-old loses a very very tiny piece and you're like oh no. but uh, yeah okay. and that's why they made duplo yeah yeah giant he has some of those it's, it's cool uh, uh yeah back onto violence and all that other stuff yeah uh i don't know i think we've run our course on it probably yeah yeah, yeah. we went on like so- tangents of tangents of tangents so that's probably the good indicator of when uh of when a uh a thing has kind of died down. It's like, okay, we've talked so much about the thing that we're talking about other things now. That's probably yeah. a good metric. So, Cajun, what's your topic for today? My topic is a news article from last week. Cut out there for a second. Yep. And Cajun's topic is he is a magician and disappears. I'm pushing the talk. I'm pushing the talk. <laughs> probably I am. Okay, third time's a charm. Uh, cool. I hope. So, cool. my topic is where is the name of it? A dead gummit. Well, good thing this is the pilot episode. Good thing this- yes, <laughs> Tanglewood. That's what it is. I'm I'm sorry. So, I'm looking at a Game Informer uh, article for the name of this, and it's not highlighted. It's not hyperlinked, like you would expect. You know, the name of the game for the that the whole article is based around uh, to be formatted is just regular plain text there um so over the uh, i believe he's in the uk uh developer matt phillips has released tanglewood um what's unique about it is it's a new game for the sega genesis um and it's not just a rom being put out there um because there's the uh there's a lot of homebrew hack games that are rom hacks for uh different consoles there's uh, legend legend of zelda hacks for the snes there's awkward time hacks um stuff like that that's pretty common um, for better and worse what's unique is that this is a full um, physical release he's actually contracted with people uh, who custom made a new uh, new mold for the cartridges 
you've custom made the PCBs for this, uh, going back to some of the original specs. Um, and he's actually using a original Mega Drive development kit uh, on a Windows 95 PC. Um, and I remember a video uh, article, I'll have to dig it up for the link uh, to be included in this, but where he was talking about having to go back and um, you know, relearn some of the coding tricks uh, from this generation of console to be able to make this game run and work properly. Um, I have it pulled up right now from their website. You can go to tanglewoodgame.com. The developer is Big Evil Corp. And uh, to say anything, the box art for it looks dope and the <laughs> design of it, like the art style, looks dope. I mean, it looks, looks dope. Awesome. It's beautiful. It really is. It's actually um, kind of great because there are a lot of little companies. Um, Megacat Studios, um, who I had the fortune of meeting at the Ohio Game Development Expo, GDEX, um, last year. And thankfully, they're also going to PAX East, so I get to talk to them hopefully again you know, uh, in April. Um, but they do a whole bunch of like Genesis, SDS, and NES stuff. Um, I've, I've seen that basically like every Every year or so, like three or four new NES, SNES, and Genesis games come out, and I just, oh, I love it. Like, I remember a few years ago, Pierre Solar came out, uh, an RPG on the Genesis, and it's, oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah, I remember, I really, yeah, because that came to, it came to the PS4. I, I think eventually most of those games always come out digitally at some point. Yeah, um, and that's one of the things is... Well, if you go to uh, Retro... If you go to RetroUSB.com, um, these people apparently are making, like, they've got a number of uh, NES uh, and looks like, like, I guess those are NES or SNES cartridges that they've made custom games for. Um, yeah. There's even a custom one. It looks like, it doesn't look like it's a cartridge. It looks like a little custom handheld. Uh, 8-Bit Christmas 2017. It's got a little LCD on everything that, uh, I mean, there, there's out. it's out there. That's cool. I mean, it's. I actually, I actually oops, sorry. No, it's all good. No, you, man. No, okay. What I was going to go on is like, it's cool because it's like these little tiny companies are just have this. This is, goes back to one of my favorite things about video game culture is that there's so many tiny, like, subsects, like, subsects of, of the, the culture in itself. That, like, there's this little, there's like all these little tiny companies who are physically, they're releasing physical copies of indie games on extremely outdated hardware. Mm-hmm. And they have the, they're just carving out this little tiny piece of pie, and I like it's incredible, it's awesome. I have um uh have had the fortune uh, over the last like five years or so to play a ton of brand new Genesis games, NES games, SNES games, Dreamcast games. Uh, Dreamcast is great because there's like two new games every single year for the Dreamcast, and I love it. Um, but I've also played new Neo Geo Pocket Color games. Um, I, I got to play a couple new Virtual Boy games last year, which were because I, I have a Virtual Boy and I love it to death. Uh, say what you will. So you um, like feeling like um, Cyclops from the X-Men? Um, no, because Scott Summers is a jerk. Um, and I it took me a second to censor the word I wanted to say. I hate him. So, yeah. no, I don't want to feel anything like him. He's no, I'm just terrible, saying terrible, terrible character. The Virtual Boy, it makes everything red. Everything is yeah. so red. Well, okay, like, the thing <laughs> is that it gives people headaches and stuff, but I'm fine with it. Like, I, for whatever reason, I'm not affected by it. Same thing with the 3DS. Like, I love my 3DS, and 
I don't understand why people have problems with their motion sickness in it. Oh, but uh, I never used built differently. Yeah, I never used the 3D slider. I was just like, I used it like once and I was like, ah, nah. Mine is always cranked up to the max. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm in an adventure. Whereas 3D movies, I go to a 3D movie and I'm like, ah, my head hurts. Oh. I can't do this. <laughs> oh, I'm going to vomit. Where's my barf back? <laughs> May I puke but in no, your popcorn? I'm- the, the thing is that there are so many great little games. Like I said, Mega Cat Studios, um, they did um, Creepy Brawlers. And that's the that's they did actually several games, but Creepy Brawlers is the one that I love from them the most because it's a fighting game, but it's like a monster mash. And it also just has like the single greatest name ever, Creepy Brawlers. Um, oh, man, like I could gush about them like all the time. So no, it's, it's just so cool that like retro releases are, are a thing it is like i didn't even know this whole that it existed that's why i'm like oh this is really fast oh wow really no i mean other than i i know wraith was going to release uh, no 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 okay can't say we're that. not gonna edit it. we're not gonna edit that out of the Spoilers. episode oh it's a teaser we'll use it as a teaser yeah well we'll Wraith is doing, Thanks. hopefully, something on retro platforms, but we are not going to talk about it. I can't it. say Wink. about it. I'm sorry. I did not know. <laughs> um, basically, so where, where I was kind of going with um, <laughs> that, the reason I picked that particular news article is back in August of last year, um, there was a YouTube channel that started up uh, called Game Hut. By, uh, it's done by... John Burton, who uh, is, uh, spent 29 years as director of travel, Traveler Sales uh, slash TT Games. And he will go back and he'll find old binary files even and reconstruct them into different parts of different games like that he uh, his team's worked on, like Mickey and stuff. And he'll go back and explain the coding and literally like sometimes the memory chip tricks that they did to make these games work. Like the uh, 3D intro to one of the Sonic games, you know, it's like this technically shouldn't have been possible, but we did it because of this, this, and this. Uh, and these are some amazing uh, videos. And what, what, I'm, where I'm kind of getting at is like, as developers, are we losing something as a community by not having these constraints? You know, are are yeah, we're you know creating these amazing lush 3D worlds and all that, but are are we losing some skill, some prestige almost, by just kind of being able to write in Unity and write and da 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 da, and not have to actually worry about our memory management as much, you know, trying to fin- finesse the hardware to make it do what we want. So okay, I'll I'll piggyback on this um, with a few if it's a few things. Um, so firstly. I think that while constraints do breed creativity, um, and uh, what I like to say when I when I talk about this with my friends is Tim Burton is at his most creative uh, when the studios give him less control and less money. Um, the more money and creative freedom you give Tim Burton, the worse movies he makes. Um, <laughs> it's true. It it's just true. I would I'll reference what the Willy Wonka movie, the new one. Yeah. That one's not good, but he had, the special. He had so much money. The puppet, puppet. The only time I ever laugh in that film, every single time, 
is when they're going on the, I guess, the little canoe ride or whatever in the the new film. And he goes, uh, yeah, over there, that's the uh, puppet burn unit. It's uh, fairly new. Because, <laughs> you know, the puppets... It's call- creepy in all the wrong ways. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's not, not the best. But they, okay, so what's the best movie you did with, like, the most constrained, what, Batman? 89 Batman? Um... Okay, so for I would probably say eighty nine Batman. Um, also, obviously, Nightmare Before Christmas. Even though Nightmare Before Christmas wasn't wasn't like one hundred percent his project anyway. No. Um, yeah. So also, Edward Scissorhands follows under that. Same thing with Beetlejuice. Like most of his early work, they're just like, we're not going to give you money for things, and he's like, okay. Um, so yeah. But my my other point, basically. Um, also, Sweeney Todd. There, there you go, Sweeney Todd too. Um, not a, a whole two bunch uh, of money or creative freedom, but um, not about him though. Uh, I think that almost every programmer I know feels exactly the same way as you, Cajun, to the point where they dig up old programming tips and tricks and then try to make a game as efficiently as possible. So I think that there's this kind of drive in most programmers to say, "Oh no, we've we've got we've lost our way. Let's bring it back." Um, Mark, um, who does Collapses for us, um, he is, and I love him, and he's going to probably listen to this episode. Uh, he is the single most annoying human being ever because we were having a conversation, and I can't even remember what it was, but I'm like, "Yeah, well, we need to do add this feature and this feature and this feature," and he's like, "Oh, but the file size is." so huge and i look at it and i'm like we're at 12 megs and he's like yeah that's that's irresponsible and i and i pulled up and i'm like oh yeah because we don't have ios and android games and and like like nintendo games and stuff that aren't running you know several gigs (laughs) you know yeah um and uh, 12 megs oh gasp i'm i'm so horrified for you i think Um, downwell is you know what Downwell is, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Downwell's great. Yeah, yeah, it's a great game. And I think on my Vita, I think it's like twenty three megabytes or something like that. <laughs> oh, there so was tiny. one that I played um, in twenty fifteen when I was first starting uh, my game streaming uh, uh, called Fur Guardians, and the install size on Android is one megabyte. And I think I've gotten up to two point. Well, my son has gotten up to two point three megabytes as he's made more, like kept going through the levels because they're procedurally generated, you know. And yeah. so as you just add level files, it just adds in. But that's the entire game, you know. I was working with Corona at the time and literally just creating a project. No, nothing in the game, like one background. That's it. The whole install size was like six or seven megabytes. Yeah, you know, yeah. so basically that game is an algorithm like that one meg is an algorithm with set textures and then that algorithm writes the levels. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And that's the thing. That's the thing is I just I, you know, I agree with you that sometimes it is too easy to do certain things and sometimes creativity does definitely breed uh, or not. It's that um, that restraints breed creativity but the big problem are we still are we still on? Yeah, we're still here. I'm listening. I'm listening intently. Oh, cool. Um I the light on my setup just sort of blinked. Um so the the thing is that 
even though these these constraints do breed more creativity, every programmer I know who gives two shakes about their project is some sort of old curmudgeon who, even though they're 23, looks like they, they grew up in the 1970s. And they're just like, no, we have to make it as small and efficient as humanly possible. And like every single one. Um, and again, as an indie dev, I, I'm, I'm, I, I deal with a lot of, of different programmers of different backgrounds, and they are all the single most annoying people for literally that reason. I, and I love e- – oops, sorry. No, it's cool. Go on. I love every programmer I've ever worked with. We have we have five programmers here at Wraith, and I, I they're great. In fact, I literally love one, my my beautiful fiance, who is one of Wraith's programmers. But she's man, in the room, isn't she? These people. Hmm? I said she's in the room, isn't she? Is that what? <laughs> she's actually she's asleep. She's actually oh. asleep. So I I don't have to flatter her. She's not even going to listen to this episode. But I love her. Oh. Don't I'm going to allow to get mushy. Shush yeah, you. yeah, no, um, no. I was just make I was making a joke. I'm like, no, I know you're only saying that because she's in the room. Because I understand. I say the same no, thing uh, about my wife. <laughs> This is the thing. This is a thing for the audience. Wink and, once and for, for Grant. yes, and twice for no. This is a thing for the audience and for Grant. Um, if I just play into the joke, that doesn't mean I didn't understand the joke. That means I definitely understood the joke, and I'm taking it to its logical conclusion. Okay. All right. Yeah. Every, everyone has. <laughs> then I'll have to figure that out, and I'll have to figure out some jokes that will. Either I'll just m- make <laughs> make some up that just really just you're just like what. It's cool. Oh yeah, because that would that would definitely stump me. No, I'm I often play the straight man because I realize that I have no comedic talent of my own, but I'm a butt of of great jokes. Oh. so I just like I just play into them and it's fine. All right, but no, like, um, I I just think that maybe maybe the the idea of the smallest file size and the most efficient program isn't lost. You know, it's it's something that I think is alive and well. And, and I think, I think, I don't know. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. I don't think anything. I just think, yeah, that's, that's my two cents on that. That seems important on the indie developer side, like extremely like important on the indie side, but on the triple A space, I don't think it really matters. It's like, yes, buy this new terabyte hard drive for the latest triple A game. No, absolutely not. Um, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't. I mean, so, okay. Okay. I actually have something really about this because I watched um, something like a YouTube video explaining like why games have just gotten so massive and Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily any of the code base or any of the game complexity itself it is entirely the graphics oh yeah and sometimes the audio you know as the number of polygons has gone up and the textures and stuff like that it, it is exp- exponentially exploded, and when we went from like 96 uh, uh, kbps CD quality audio to, you know, now we're like Blu-ray surround sound and like nine channels, and you know you can hear the rabbit munching on the grass 18 feet behind you. You know, that's it's it's the multimedia content that is what's absolutely destroying games these days for AAA. It's like. The quality of polish is there. Yeah, like like Cletus. Cletus is over there. He's just set up this beautiful surround sound system in his house, and he's like, he invites his buddy Bob over, and they're watching this beautiful, beautiful film directed by uh, Christopher Nolan. And 
Cletus turns to Bob and he's like, man, did you just hear that bee fart on that flower? It was, it's amazing. Am I back? Oh, you cut out? You're oh, back. I was, I thought you stopped. I was making a joke. It was great. <laughs> Where'd I cut out at? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't hear you at all. It wasn't picking you up. I made a joke. I, I was talking about, you know, the surround sound system. It was something around how, Whoa. yeah, it was something around, um, surround the sound quality sound and art assets and you were going on somewhere so to to pick up and kind of summarize you know it's like i I, okay so i have a little 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 of tinnitus you know i've got astigmatism and i'm partially colorblind you know as as jay knows and it's Mm -hmm. like the the multimedia assets are getting to such a high level. Yes, there are monitors that can handle you know 120 second refresh, uh, 120 second, uh, 120 hertz refresh rate, and you can handle you know nine uh, multimedia channels all that. But like, unless you are a naturally have those biological differences that you can perceive that. If you're a woman, you can see the four colors, you know, whereas we mere men can only see three. Well, actually, a Is little Is it really worth it to be putting in this extra stuff if you can't, your bulkier customers that you're trying to sell this to can't or won't use it, you know? I, I want to put a little asterisk on what you said about, like, women in color and, and things like that, uh, just for a second, because it's not just women. Because, should be noted, I uh, took a color test uh, a few years ago. I have perfect color vision. It literally does not get better than my color vision. Just saying. Well, congratulations. (laughs) Also, Christy, Christy, colorblind. So, drop the mic there. Yeah, I thought you were going to be like, Christy can see other dimensions. No, no, she's colorblind. <laughs> and it's it's funny because people are like, oh my God, really? And I'm like, yeah, what do you mean really? And they're like, well, that's so rare. And I'm like, no, I had oh. no clue. It's almost like Wraith almost specifically develops for colorblind people. Crazy stuff, that. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, but that's a very common thing. That's where a lot of first-person shooters, like uh, I think one of the first things that I could, in modern times that I can remember is that EA put a colorblind thing? They put a colorblind thing in all their games yeah. because the Emily, it, the enemies are usually red. Your good team's blue, and they made like an orange, like an aqua and an orange color uh, mm-hmm. of where the enemies show up on the map, stuff like that, like different variations. So colorblind people can enjoy games. Exactly. That's how but, common um, it I, is. I, I agree with you though, Cajun, um, because like I'll be playing um, like a beautiful brand new game and. I like I will look at like gameplay comparisons between like 4K and like Ultra HD and like the PS4 and the Xbox One and then I, I just can't tell the difference anymore. And I know that's terrible to say as a developer, but like side by side, I just I can't tell anymore. Um, I I, I literally have a, the I same can't. issue at, at my day job because I sell cell phones. And, you know, I remember when the iPhone 4's retina display was, holy crap, you know, you can't see the pixels with your naked eye. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was, like, 336, I think? Just, I think it was, like, a 300-something pixel count. Uh, pixels, mm-hmm. pixels per inch. <clears throat> and my customers were asking me, you know, which is a better display? 
Okay, well, they're both 5.8 inches. This one is a 1080p resolution, you know, uh, 1080 by 720, whatever it is. And this one, uh, so it's like a 400 uh, PPI pixel count. And then this one is 5.8, but it's got a 557 pixel count. How much is the average person going to actually be per able to perceive the difference in that? If you're watching, yeah. you know, something that is 1080 versus 4K, sure, you might be able to see that. But for most people, they're just generally watching YouTube on it. You know, where this you're looking at most videos doing 720, maybe 1080. Is that extra three hundred dollars on the phone worth it? And I, I think it's I think it's kind of interesting too because like there are several things that stem up from that. Um, I have some friends who are very much like um, graphic snobs. PC and master nine race. Times out of hmm? PC master race. No, I don't. I don't. I use my PC for. Yeah. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I rarely play games on my computer. Rarely. I'd rather have a controller in my hand. Um, I'm a, I'm a PC gamer mostly, uh, but also I do like arcade collecting. So I'm very much like a, I don't care how I get it as long as I get it, yeah. but I'm not really allowed to play games anymore anyway. Cause I spend too much time making stuff like it sucks. Um, you will find a balance. But you will find a balance. I, I hope, I hope once collapses is out, I'm you, just going to take a small vacation and just play a lot of my backlog. Yeah, but when anyway, are we, when are we going to mention the game we're going to be playing next episode? Uh, we'll be doing that at the end. Okay. We'll be doing that at the okay. end. Okay. All right. But the the thing is that I have a lot of graphic snobs friends, and I I am sure that some of them can tell the difference. But I am convinced that most of them just hear numbers and say bigger number is better, and yeah. they don't act. They can't actually tell the difference. They have just convinced themselves that they can. Yeah. But what? on the flip side of that. Um, I do think it is important for people who have money, like as far as developers who have money, to be able to push the boundaries of technology so that we can we can like innovate. However, when we see a lot of giant AAA studios imploding because they can't pay their people, that's when we draw that line there, I think. Yeah, I had that same kind I agree of that it is important to push the technology, but at the same time, you know, we didn't... I think as a gaming industry, we need to refrain from the proverbial, you know, he cut out to again. use a bit he more vulgar out. term in here, uh, refrain from the proverbial pissing match of, again, just a higher number for the sake of having a higher number, you know? Oh, absolutely agreed. Now, I, I wonder what, like, the actual coding size-wise would be if you took out all the assets of the big AAA a games. Like, it would probably be maybe a 16th to an 8th. Possibly of the the actual systems itself. Uh, maybe even maybe even smaller. Yeah, because like what Cajun you're saying is that f with 4K technology, with 4K and Ultra HD, uh, with 4K and DV uh, HDR, and all that stuff, like it's the file size is going to keep going up. And the reference point I had is that I booted up Destiny One again and downloaded a patch. The patch for all the expansions and all the subsequent patches before the base game came out was 32.64 gigs. And that's just the update. Yeah, that's the update. That's not including what's on the disc. Like, it's not a digital version. I have the physical disc and then all the digital uh, the digital um, expansions. I bought the expansions digitally but and the updates, all the patches and stuff. Yeah, 30, 32, can, 34 gigs. Can I say, um, and... 
this is coming from someone who does not play Destiny. Um, but I saw I saw some gameplay of Destiny One recently, and I saw some gameplay of Destiny Two recently. Yeah is is there a graphical leap between them? Because I can't tell. I uh, really can't. Um, what two looks slightly prettier? Uh, shadowing and stuff's better. The lighting and stuff's better because they didn't have to cater to the legacy console of the 360 and PS3. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And this, this is, I think, one of the things is I make indie games, so you know what that means. Uh, if it's bigger than three pixels, uh, then I'm not interested, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I Like, the um, my my opinion, I guess, a little bit about me, since I guess this is the pilot episode and we're talking about ourselves and all this other stuff, that to me, gameplay, growing up in the air, gameplay is always going to be king for me. It doesn't yeah. matter what it looks like. I really don't. I could care what it looks like. As long as the gameplay is engrossing and fun, I'll play it. I uh, this is um so it's it's weird because this is you know a Wraith Games sponsored podcast, but I I wanted to keep it mostly Wraith Games agnostic. I guess we we I didn't want to really focus too much on Wraith most of the time, but I I knew obviously that was going to have to come up in general just because it's a big part of my life and a big part of my outlook on games. Yeah. Um. But I do want to mention this about Collapsus, and this is not. A shameless plug because the game's almost out. Um, <laughs> do but, we do we need to take a breaks and pause and then you can then you can give me a a a, a commercial and we'll stick it in there and then we'll be like, hey, and no. we're back. No, no, we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna do that. Um, I it is my intention. Do a jingle. Do a jingle. I don't have one, thankfully. No one wants to hear that. But um, I I want to try to keep this podcast ad free. Even my own ads. Uh, <laughs> just <laughs> like it. Like us and give us money on Patreon and we'll keep this ad free. Um, but if not, sponsors. Be no, sure no, to no, drink no. your team. Sorry. <laughs> but um, th- one of the things that I noticed pretty early on with Collapsus, because we started developing it um, back in 2005. or Sorry, 2006. Um, so it had a long development cycle. Um, really, the Collapsus has looked the way it's looked pretty consistently from 2013 until now. And early on, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, are these placeholder graphics? I don't really, I don't really understand. It's not flashy like Candy Crush and stuff. And very recently, there have been a lot of people who've been, who've been commenting on Collapsus talking about how pretty it looks. Um, mostly because it, it was it was inspired by pop art, and they're like, "Oh, it's such a it's such a great looking game and everything." And in my head, I'm like, "I did not change the graphics in the past few years. What has happened?" And I think there's been a shift in gaming culture where people are now valuing readability and they're valuing graphical fidelity. I guess more than the, and and more importantly a good art style yeah rather than the, just necessarily graphical flashiness maybe yeah. no i mean you can have a beautiful game i mean but if your game runs janky it's a bad game like it can be the best looking oh, game yeah, on the planet i i think something i'm going to bring up here this is a major sticking point for me is when um kind of just touches into loot boxes. Um, I don't know if we'll ever touch on that subject. But when things are designed to be psychologically addictive, you know, 
the bright, winning, flashing lights, uh, almost like a casino event. Uh, you know, even some of the, like, um, was it a uh, Tune Pop, I think, is what I've got on my phone. You know, yeah. they keep you addicted to the same basic gameplay by st artificially stimulating the, you know, reward centers in your brain different ways, audio cues, visual cues, and stuff like that. And Bejeweled, I don't think they have it so much, but like Candy Crush definitely does. Oh, yeah. And a lot of these games, they exploit this. And that's how they get you to pay for a dollar, two dollars, twenty dollars for extra turns. It's because you're, you gotta get that next fix of finishing that level, you know? I, and I, Collapses is definitely not built that way. And I think that maybe some that could have been something that they were picking up on is it wasn't that eye candy, you know. It's beautiful and it's a great game, but it's not that manipulatively uh, con contrived and designed sort of addictive beautiful. So here's here's a funny thing, and I I guarantee you we will probably talk about Skinner boxes, and we will probably talk about the mobile games industry, and we'll talk about the idea of whales, and we'll talk about um, loot boxes and and monetization and and all that stuff. I uh, not today, but yeah. I, I almost guarantee you that that'll come up several times in the next few episodes, just because all of those pieces are hugely important in the culture right now. Especially with, but I will. Especially with the legislation and stuff that's going on with loot boxes and all that other junk. Exactly. I almost, I'm almost expecting you, Grant, to pick that as your topic for next time, just because, like, you seem to be, you seem to gravitate towards more politically charged content, uh, and just that's uh, just lately because currently he just gets there first. No, it, well, no, it's <laughs> also, I, I mean, I, I pay attention to politics stuff because. I, I don't even I'm not talking about it because I don't want to get into it because I don't want to make this political I'm just not I just I have I'm very interested in the current state of the United States politics um, and uh, how it affects my interests and things that are happening in the world we'll leave see it the, that. the problem is that you are both braver and also smarter than I am because um, like you and I uh, we've talked politics before and Cajun and I have also talked politics and we all tend to agree uh, on most things. The problem is that if I actually get into a political conversation, I will not shut up. And I am very, very vocal about my opinions. And I'm not going to say what those opinions are. Um, but I'm very vocal about them. And uh, that would be the worst thing. So most of my topics are going to be pretty apolitical. Yeah. Like as much as humanly possible. Um, Jay, I think if uh, you haven't noticed, we're all pretty opinionated here. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. But yeah. I, I'm just saying that I think that Grant Grant is is centered enough, and he's he's able to control himself enough in a way that I don't think I would be capable of. Yeah. Um. So I think that's that's a good thing that he's attaching himself more to political yeah. ideas. Yeah. No. Well, it's yeah, mainly. No. Um. I guess it might have to do with where you grow up. Like, because Kentucky is, you know, one side, and I'm nowhere near that side of the mass majority. Mm -hmm. And Hamilton is very, um, is very like a very tiny, small, progressive dot in the <laughs> sea of blood that is Ohio. But, um, 
Depends on what side of the river you're on, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but predominantly is been is known yeah, for yeah. its red. So I think this could be a no, good I meant, uh, no, I meant, okay. COA for us, though, that for our listeners, that if Grant and I ever say Jay have at it with a topic, that <laughs> go right ahead and just uh, beware. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We'd have to, uh, but. Put an explicit tag and all that other stuff. Has this podcast been submitted to iTunes via with the explicit tag? Just out of curiosity. Um, uh, it might be. I've not okay. set up the whole iTunes thing as of the recording. Okay, just out of curiosity. Um, and the reason I haven't is because we do uh, we have our own hosting platform on wraithgames.com and so other sources are currently secondary but uh by the time this goes live it'll be available on multiple sources yeah. and so far so far we've not been explicit though the worst thing we've said is pissed twice and i've been keeping track of things All so right. this is third time <laughs> that was said uh, well i did say pissing so. match too yeah yeah well i was counting that so that's number four that's not a that that's still considered PG to PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah, we we fall in the PG yeah. slot. I've I I almost dropped the f bomb like a few times, and I'm like, no, no. Yeah, same, <laughs> same. Okay, um, but yeah, no, the, yeah. I don't know where we went off weird, crazy, like political tangent. So, so um, do we think we should move on to the last topic? Yes, uh, but first, can. So yeah, I think it's probably a good idea to uh, to move on to the to the next one. You know, since we're doing a little tangenty kind yeah. of a thing going on. It seems on. to be the sign. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good sign. I think it's good. Um, what do you think, Cajun? Think it's good? Have Have you said your piece, good sir? Yeah, I think I've laid out enough of my opinions. Move on okay. to the next one. Okay. okay, so what I'm going to discuss. Uh, is the uh, recent Twin Galaxies scandal. So, for any of you listeners who don't know, Twin Galaxies is a website that is the database for all of the big um, high-score and speed-running world records. Uh, They're the database that passes all of the records over to the Guinness Committee so people can have their Guinness records. They've been doing this... um, since since video game competitions were a thing, all the way back in the arcade days. Um, and so recently, uh, we had a gentleman um, who was part of the the inner circle of, uh, of Twin Galaxies, Todd Rogers. Um, he got a high score uh, for speed on the Atari 2600 game Dragster. And Dragster is one of the more tolerable... 2600 games and kind of kind of holds up and he uh, he did this insane score it was, uh, it was i believe it was like a minute 13 seconds something like that. um i could be no it's it's less than that it's uh i can't remember i don't actually have it in my notes uh but the thing is that there were a lot of people who were very skeptical about whether or not this score was legitimate and you'll notice that uh, recently there have been a lo- there's been a lot of skepticism as to whether or not a score is legitimate within Twin Galaxies. So one of the uh, one of the developers ended up actually coming out and, and talking about this and mentioned that it is actually impossible to get a, a time faster than um, the certain the certain 
time marker just because of coding limitations. And there were some people who who decompiled the ROM and were able to find out that is indeed the case. Meaning Todd Rogers cheated. Yeah, yeah. I think they, yeah. didn't they do a machine learning on it and like not even the machine tool assisted run could do faster than that. It's straight exactly. up impossible. Yeah, they did. They they built a they built a bot and the bot couldn't do it, and that is hilarious. Now, that should have been where the story ended in a sane and rational world. Instead, Billy Mitchell, and I, I hope that you guys recognize that name. Oh, uh, I do. You, I hate that. I don't, I don't like him. He's a scum. <laughs> he, he's a, just a he's, pompous. He's a, he's a jerk. He's a, he's a pompous words I can't say. Words I can't say. <laughs> he looks, this is the guy that, uh, the King Kong record, right? Yes, he the, was the Donkey Kong. Uh, he looks like the villain dude from Hackers. <laughs> oh, um, have you all seen Despicable Me three? Not yet. Uh, no, no, I've only seen the first two. Okay, well, if you just if you even if you look up the trailer, the main bad guy is like something brat, Billy Brat or something like that, and he has a mullet. Oh. He wears all purple. Uh, has like big side, has this big beard and stuff. Chews bubble gum and everything, and he hasn't changed his look since he was on this television show called like The Brat or something like that, where he was like this mastermind villain, or no, he was a mastermind hero, but he was a little child, and he looks kind of like Billy Mitchell. <laughs> so, um, for the people out there in in listener land, um, Billy Mitchell was the the gentleman who was one of the the competitors in the King of Kong's Fistful of Quarters documentary a while back. And some of you also may know uh, him as the guy who they parodied in regular show. And then he attempted to sue Cartoon Network for using his likeness and uh, lost hard because it wasn't actually them using his likeness. It was just a guy kind of like him. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's hilarious. It was about it was an arcade episode where they were competing for a high score, and it was just this guy with this massive head and this little tiny body, and he was this arcade master, and his name was like I can't even remember. It was it was something like like Billiam Billiam Montgomery or something like that. It was it was great. Uh, so um, the thing is that uh, for a while, some of his scores have been sort of. Uh, I don't know, like under scrutiny. Yeah, under scrutiny. Dubious yes. as hell. Yes, absolutely. So the thing is that uh, the way Twin Galaxies does their scores is um, you can either submit a video, or you can have a judge be there in person, or um, I can't remember the other one. There's a there's another way that you can verify. Can't but you? you have to be able. To I thought you had to go there. Like you can go to the Twin Galaxies arcade. And uh, that's probably it. That's probably the third one. So the thing is that a lot of Billy's stuff, there are no, there's no video of it. It's just him and a judge. Well, it just so happens that Billy is one of the inner circle of, of Twin Galaxies. He, he spends a lot of money making the organization run. Well, he was also um, a judge for a while, wasn't he? Um, I don't know about that. That's entirely possible, though. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, if we have to issue corrections, there'll probably be an episode in the future where we just go through corrections of things we got wrong. Um, um but we will say probably, 
I have an idea of that, but we will save it till I guess at post stuff after we've got yes, done recording. Yes. So the thing about Billy is that a lot of his records just aren't on video. And there is this this one record uh, where the the only video of it is him and a judge trading out a board. He's like, well, I just broke this this Donkey Kong record. I'm going to trade out this board. And the, the problem is that if you know anything about arcade boards, um, you can see that he's actually swapping a Donkey Kong Jr. board for another Donkey Kong Jr. board. And then the game loads up as Donkey Kong, meaning more than likely it was actually running uh, an emulation. So we had, thanks to some very, very uh, talented people uh, who know a lot about arcade games, um, some of the, the stuff that we do have video of him doing, the way Donkey Kong machines load in is they load in um, kind of like uh, like in, in ribbons. Um, it loads in uh, like just in lines where if you're using an emulator, it loads in in chunks. And so some of the videos we do have of him playing, it's loading in in chunks. Uh, and that means that he is using emulation. So to actually, uh, I can actually explain this a little bit better for our listeners since they don't have a Thank picture you. of this. Thank you. So if you know anything about the uh, traditional Donkey Kong level, you have uh, you have the different ladders and girders and the levels that make up the different platforms of the level. And what will happen is on an actual arcade machine and MAME machine, uh, I think uh, I could be wrong on that, but anyways, on an actual no, device, MAME, no, MAME is simulation. Okay, maybe simulation. Okay, so on an actual arcade machine, it'll load up the different subsections. It'll load uh, like one color uh, of this, and then the next color of the next component, and stuff like that. And then you'll have like the character show up and all that. But it goes by stages, and you can see this frame by frame on the video replay. With emulation, what happens is the computer composites everything into one thing, and then suddenly, pop! It's all there. All at well, the same time in the same frame. If it's a slower computer, it'll load it in large chunks, but it's still very like it'll load like one section of the screen at a time. It won't be based it, off. It of, still like, doesn't parts. render in the same way. Because and, absolutely, and can, very noticeable. Very noticeable. Yes, in Arkham machines, like every game, obviously, and every scene will be different, but it's the same consistent. It's doing it in stages, whereas emulation, even if it's chunking it, it's obvious chunks right or like i said it's in the entire scene the entire screen is done composited and put out there in one frame and then it's updated from there so the thing that should also be noted is there's nothing wrong with emulation well i'm not saying from a legal standpoint because from a legal standpoint um it's a very gray area it's, it's a gray area and we could probably do an entire episode just on that alone. Um, but I mean, from a speed running perspective, there's nothing wrong with emulating. Um, there are entire sections of speed running that just do emulation on their own. However, when you are claiming to do it on original hardware and original hardware does make a difference as far as like the speed of which things load, the way things load in the way even certain animation frames play out, uh, uh, you have milliseconds, sometimes even whole seconds, um, that are are different and can make the, the difference between a good speedrun and a bad speedrun. Now, the thing it, that should be noted... Oops, sorry. I was going to say, it's like the uh, guy that got uh, convicted for selling uh, golden tickets to heaven. It's What was illegal about it wasn't that they were tickets to heaven. 
is that he was uh, committing fraud by representing paint pieces of wood that had been painted gold as solid gold. Exactly. And exactly. When you're doing this, emulation is fine as long as you're representing it as an emulated run. You can't mm-hmm. pro, uh, present it as an original arcade machine run. You have to put and, it in the right category. And- and for Billy, it's apparently even more damning for two reasons. One, he has claimed in the past to have never used emulation ever. Um, and then he later cycled back on that and said that he did on a couple occasions, but nothing for his runs. So he has made a very, very specific claim that he does not emulate ever. And thing number two is there's also further evidence to suggest that he is using save states rather than actually playing his games through clean, which is entirely against... It's cheating. It's absolutely yeah. cheating. Yeah, well... Um, That's I re- just cheap even as a casual gamer. I mean... Um, I mean, like, every... Like, the top-down levels in Contra Hardcore, um, I can't I can't get through them. I, I use save states. I'm sorry. Not Hardcore. Uh, Contra 3. Um, but well, to go to to talk about Billy, um, and what always stuck out in my mind is the end of King Kong Fistful of Quarters. That documentary is awesome, and it's such an underdog tale, one of the greatest underdog tales of all time, because he is such a ter- just a crappy person. Like he is not likable oh, yeah. at all. And uh, the guy who I can't even I can't even remember his name who has like the second place and he was trying to get the first place and he was much younger and everything and like he uh, his goal was to he beat. Billy in the score, and at the end of the tape, near the end of the documentary, Billy submitted a video or something of him beating it and then getting like some atrocious score that's impossible. Yeah. And if you watch the footage and stuff, you can see like there's like a weird cut in it or something. And the guy was just like, How is this legal? How is that? But it passed. And I don't know what the the, the top score for Donkey Kong Country Jr. is, but I do remember that specific point in the documentary. Donkey Kong Jr. Yeah, uh, Donkey Kong Country. Oh, well, I mean, sorry. Donkey Kong Jr. That, um, I know what I'm talking about. It's just, you know, slip of the tongue thing, but. No, I know. I know you know what you're talking about. I just mean for the audience. Yeah, yeah. The Donkey Donkey Kong Jr. run with like the high score run with the kill screen and all that other stuff. Like he had the top score for years, probably possibly decades. Probably possibly decades. And uh, see what originally set everyone being suspicious of this. Uh, or at least for the uh, Donkey Kong itself, wasn't that it was a judge uh, witness, quote-unquote, record, is that his score was so absurdly high above anyone, literally anyone else. Everyone else was getting, what, like in the hundreds of thousands, and he was like 15 million. You know, it's just so uh, absurd. That's all, the only way to describe it. No, Got cocky. Yeah, the guy got beat it though, didn't he? He beat it. The guy who had second in the the movie in King Kong uh, in the documentary, like he beat it. And then Billy submitted a video footage that wasn't witnessed or anything, but they considered it a actual score. And then he mm-hmm. didn't get it, if I'm remembering cor- correctly. That that sounds right. Yeah. Now the thing the thing that should be noted is that over over at Twin Galaxies, and and this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart because I. I've been working on my Super Mario World world record. Um, uh, it's close, but the thing is that with Twin Galaxies, they are the authority. And a lot of the inner circle has been suspect. And recently, it's not just it's not just Todd Rogers, it's not just Billy Mitchell. A lot of the inner circle in general um, has been 
has been accused of scandal. And the judge who cleared um, who cleared Billy, and this is again corrections if I'm if I'm wrong. The judge who cleared Billy on his big thing, I believe, was actually Todd Rogers. Now, if that is incorrect, um, the judge who cleared Billy uh, was another person who recently had their scores removed due to scandal. Um, if it wasn't Todd Rogers, but I do believe it was, though I could be again very wrong. Um, yeah, I so think the there's entire- a third person that's being implicated and um, possibly being stripped. Uh, I'll I'll have to find out the YouTuber that is really at the forefront of bringing these guys down. Yes, um, because actually citing actually citing the person uh, would be would be very good for further for further reading. But the thing is that if you can't trust if you can't trust the people keeping the records, then an entire community could go down in flames. And when you when you also consider that a few years ago, Twin Galaxies was they didn't have a website for for quite a while um, as they were trying to figure out what to do with the organization. And then a couple other organizations came up to try to be the new Twin Galaxies, and they were immediately stomped almost out of existence um, when Twin Galaxies came back. I, I think it's going to be difficult for there to be a sea change because even even when um, this whole thing clears itself up, um, either the community is going to be diminished because there's there's no real uh, there's no real trust in it anymore, or there's going to be an alternative that's going to spring up, and I don't think it's going to be able to get as much traction as Swing Galaxies. Yeah, and for anyone that's not already um, familiar with these, because I wasn't until uh, just recently myself. Everyone knows Guinness is the authority on everything, right? You know, they're they're the ones that have all the records. Well, Guinness Book of Records defers to Twin Galaxies for gaming records. That that's the sway of this of the of these guys. And they are their very core and foundation is being suspect. So Exactly. Exactly. The, yeah, the my whole takeaway is just kind of sad because Twin Galaxies has been around what since basically the birth of the arcade. Yes. And uh, it's almost a deconstruction or uh, of an institution like Twin Galaxies in an institution for gamers. It, it's almost anyone who's been around for as long as we have, who's in you know late twenties, the thirties, and stuff like that, or and so on, understands that Twin Galaxies was was it was to get your name on the Twin Galaxies leaderboard was something like that was some huge bragging rights, and it is basically just if the top scores are bad that are you know fake, then who says this? second, third, fourth, all the way up to, you know, whatever, even if they are real. Yeah, and and even then, even then, even if we can say, yeah, they are, um, for second, third, and whatever, um, how do we tell, you know, who has legitimate top places and who doesn't? Um, that's, that's one of those things is you can't trust anything after a while, and it's, it's just sad. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like if, as things are progressing, the well is getting, becoming just poisoned. And yeah, absolutely. They'll have to be. There's going to have to be something. Either Guinness just starts up a their own statistical gaming division where they just do records and stuff like that. I mean, I can't think of any other way to either. Because like you were saying, you can't bring up another institution. They've been squashed. It seems like they have yeah. that much pull and power. Who's going to do it? IGN? I mean, GameStop? Um, like I said, there were, there were several smaller, smaller things that came up and tried to do it, but, um, maybe, maybe awesome games done quick. 
Um, maybe something with Twitch. Like I bet, I bet Twitch. If they if they had the the patience for it, they'd do it. I know um, that I, that I can actually see possibly working. Yeah. I know there are some records that have been broken that were live streamed via Twitch and are I think considered legitimate records. Yeah, that actually um, that's something that uh, Twin Galaxies was actually allowing was was Twitch stuff, but they consider that video. Um, one of the one of the recent high scores um, that actually I believe was for Donkey Kong. Um, and this was after the Billy Mitchell thing. Um, it was some people, and what they did was they live streamed playing of Donkey Kong, and then they they deconstructed the cabinet on stream and went over <laughs> every component just to prove that it was safe. And I hate that it's coming to that, but that also just kind of shows that these guys were awesome. You know, uh, they're like, no, we will prove that everything's legit. We will deconstruct this cabinet and explain it. That's cool. I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. You like you're saying that you have to do to legitimize yourself. But yeah. And as, as someone who who is um, I'm not I wouldn't say I'm involved in the speedrun community, um, but I've my my Super Mario World speed record uh, speedrun record is I've not submitted yet. And so therefore, obviously, there's no proof of any of this. So, ha ha. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm within the top three uh, for super Mario world. And I'm, I, I don't want to submit until I have number one. Um, but at the same time, now with everything collapsing around me, I'll probably just submit my score uh, soon just because I'm like, well, at least I'll have three before everything dies yeah. forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm one of those jerks where I'm like, well, if I can't get number one, I don't even want to be on the yeah, list if I don't want to because be, I'm a terrible human being. If I can't be the best, I don't even want to be there. And the the sad part is like I love I love the GBA version of Super Mario World more than the SNES version. Yes, fight me nerds, but um I actually beat the uh, the high score or uh, sorry the the speedrun record on the GBA by like 3 minutes. And the only reason I haven't submitted for that is there's like 5 people on that list and I'm like, "Oh, I don't even want this." Yeah. Why be the best? Fun one? fact: um, Pokemon Stadium Two has only one hundred uh, percent completion speedrunner. Oh my god! Really? Twenty-seven hours. Holy crap! So if I ever get enough Red Bulls and coffee, that's <laughs> what I'm doing. You know, we—I mean, if we ever meet up and do a live one, that would be something. Like, oh, we um, will. Like giant, giant. Oh yes. Giant, uh, giant bomb i think jeff gerstman or something he held um the world's longest um super smash brothers run like he he just had the world's longest one he did it for like 36 hours or something like that played like one of the longest set down times i think for smash brothers the longest nice. played time and he did it live stream i think he did it for some charity event i think it was the uh what it, what not it wasn't uh extra life it was the um the clowns or the kids one or um I don't know. Child's play. Child's play. Yes. There's a. There's a clown. No. Uh, I don't one? know. I don't know. I was thinking of kids and clowns, and then I was my brain went to it, and I'm like, man, that movie, the the new movie was it was it was pretty good, but uh, you yeah, can't, you can't hold a candle to um, Tim Curry, but you know, Tim Curry, yeah. And I do I do want to say for the audience um, before they think I'm like some sort of bragging piece of jerk, um. I am not good at video games. I am good at one video game and only one. Um, 
Uh, so I'm not trying to be like my high score is the greatest thing ever. It's no, I, no. I literally have no life and am only good at exactly one video game. That, that Isn't like most of your staff better too than collab, uh, uh, than you at collapses? Um, no, no. Um, hey. Christy and I, Hey, what? I was like, I, I thought you'd said that to me before. I, I may have misremembered that apparently. No, no. Christy. Christy is better at me than collapse uh, in collapses. And then a programmer that we had a while ago, and I'm not going to name his name. He left the team. Um, he was definitely better than me, but as far as everyone else is concerned, I'm still better than them. But ah, gotcha. the, that one programmer was so much better than me. It was laughable. Like I've never seen someone get to level 100 before, wow. but he did. And it's not okay. And we're talking like on hard. It's like, no, you're superhuman. And he, I, I don't like it. It's bad. <laughs> it makes me feel uncomfortable how good he is at this game. Is it just, is he just good at collapses or is he good at all games? Um, he is good at many, many games. Oh. Um, he's, uh, <laughs> the, the problem is I, I could never play him in Halo or Soul Calibur because like, I'm like, nope, I am dead forever. Just completely. Um, and was then, he South uh, Korean? No, no, he's not South, <laughs> South Korean. Um, the the funny thing though is that um, he was doing this Minecraft project, um, and this will probably immediately tell you exactly who this person is. Um, but he was recreating Ocarina of Time one for one in Minecraft with like workable dungeons, and so he brought me on board to help. And I'm like, you are way better at Legos than I am. You're just I am going to be useless. <laughs> it's and that's when I realized that I was just an average mediocre human. <laughs> well, I knew that. I knew that from watching other people do Minecraft videos, but I'd never seen one of those Minecraft super people in real life and then I and then I was watching him and I'm like, "Oh, you're one of those guys." That explains it. You're using like redstone programming. And this is before they were like command blocks. And I'm like, I'm inadequate. I'm, I can't help you. <laughs> so, okay, wait. Uh, to take that back just a hair. And we've gotten way yeah. off topic, and but whatever, whatever. I think we've said our piece about Twin Galaxies, but I'm sure it'll. Probably, yeah. Yeah. But, um, so some of those Minecraft builders build bots, basically code. They code their own stuff to build like, big chunks and stuff to make it faster yeah okay um it's not just that it's not just that um they're not coding bots out of the game they're coding bots in the game using the game there is a full 8-bit cpu oh, in minecraft made out of uh redstone there's also um one of my favorite videos was watching someone who coded an atari 2600 emulator using minecraft it was great. And then, like, and then what? They just be, made some kind of way to take emulation games to, into Minecraft to be able to play it on it. Play on it. Yes. Wow. I mean, yeah. Like, that's the thing about like like I've said. I respect everything that Minecraft can do, and all those who love it, I do. I understand. I just I don't love it. I don't like it. It's not my game. It's not my type of game. It's not my cup of tea. Which is which is kind of funny because like when because uh, I got in on the alpha as I think I think a, a lot of people did I th uh, there were probably um, half as many people who got into alpha as the that was in beta and I think beta was the single biggest time when people joined so like alpha was a great time 
um, for just the community in general. Do you remember when um, there weren't even um, shadows on the trees yet? Yes, I do. <laughs> remember um, when the game was like 10 or 20 bucks instead of like 60? I mean, and damn that I can't remember my old account password. <laughs> Um, I, I got, uh, I got it for 10. I've, I've made sure to keep my password updated. So every once in a while I'll go in and play. But anyway, the thing was that like the, the game is Zelda plus Legos plus Harvest Moon, meaning it is just great. And I don't, I like, this is one of those things where I'm like, I can respect that it's not for you, but I do not understand how it's not for you. I've, I've, I guess I just haven't played. I haven't played, I guess the, the, the creation part about it is what is not for me. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I like, I like, I like playing games. I like to be, um, you know, I, I just, I get bored. What am ah. like, I just don't, I mean, I could build like, that's cool. But my favorite part, like I used to play, you know, like Sim city and all that stuff. I love building yeah. up the cities and then just using cheat codes and just destroying everything because that was the fun part about it. Whereas, whereas when I play SimCity, um, and it's by the way, my favorite version is the SNES version. Just putting that out there. <laughs> um, what I do is I build perfect Utah style grid cities um, with complete public transportation. So like every block has a train track and a road. And then I have it perfectly blocked out. And what I do is I build it as big as I can. And then I let it run. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll literally just let an SNES run for days in real life. And I'll just go check on it. And I'm like, the year was 2 million. <laughs> and my society is thriving. So that's the kind of guy I am. Yeah, I like I like some story. I like some gameplay elements. I like some kind of drive, some sort of commitment for me. Just building things and digging and stuff like that is not my. Well, there um, in in Minecraft, there's you know survival mode, which is the the optimal way to play, and that is it's still yeah. still you're building your own direction, but at the same time, it's one of the best survival games on the market. Still, I don't I don't like survival games. I find them boring. Also, wow. <laughs> so. I mean, I like I like survival horror. I like like Resident Evil stuff like that. But like, what's the uh, yeah? That's that's different though. Yeah, yeah. What there's like you the, apparently the, never had a creeper come up and blow up right behind your ass. <laughs> I, no, because I've played Minecraft for like maybe an hour or so, and I'm like, oh, so I just chop down trees and build things and uh, just try to find food and survive. I'm like, okay. So kind of kind of harking back to like the whole you know games having surround set and perception and all that. So that. That having that something blow up right behind you is bad when you're listening to it on like a speaker. Yeah. When oh, you yeah. suddenly have that hiss in your headphones though, and then half a second later, boom, that is a jump. Yeah. I, I I mean I'm sure if I played it on PC, I'm like this is probably it's probably the best way to play Minecraft. I have not. I've I played. I have I own it on mobile and it's rubbish in my opinion. Um, and I've played it on console, and I'm like, this is awful. Um, and so PC's really my preferred thing. Of course, uh, in our prime, we had a, a Minecraft server for the Wraith team, and then also my D&D group, <laughs> who are very, they're very similar. They're, like, half of the Wraith team is also also plays D&D with me. Um, so we had this big server that was running 100 mods, and it was literally designed to feel like our D&D game. And it was amazing. That sounds um, but awesome. 
Yeah, because we had because um, in my D and D game, it's very steampunky, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pull a Natalie for anyone who's listened to uh, Game Over Game on. One of our team members, Natalie, uh, was on, and uh, she's very passionate about D and D, and so she's she talked for length for it. So I won't yeah. <laughs> I won't bore our audience with D and D for too long. Um, but the thing was that in our in our tabletop rpg uh it's it's kind of steampunky without the steam um and also not so many gears like lots of airships and like flintlocks and and trains and magic magic with very definitive rules um because uh, again i'm a game designer so we, when we play D, we don't actually play D. um but it's it's a it's a game that is is dark and gritty meets kind of that almost diesel punk aesthetic um and that's what we did in minecraft and it's we used like uh several mods to to bump up the abilities of the um of the creepers and not the creep the mobs uh like we used uh diablo style um, monsters thing. We used a deadlier worlds mod. Um, we used a flintlock mod, and so we had like these really, really powerful monsters roaming around, like these giant pre-built dungeons. Um, and then we built like these huge, like steampunk cities uh, with like airships and trains and stuff. And that was it was a lot of fun. And it just the server got to be too expensive, so we ended up <laughs> taking it out to pasture. <laughs> No, I mean the final product of like the Minecraft stuff sounds awesome. It's just getting to that final product. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, I'm a, I'm a grown ass man. I got two kids and a wife. I'm like, I don't have time for that. Like, I'd rather. Well, I sorry. Nah, it's all good. I'm, I was finished. Like I, finished. I oh, <laughs> I certainly don't have time for it anymore either. Um, because because keep in mind when Minecraft first came out, I was an early twenty something. Uh, so I. I was still building Wraith, but it was a lot slower than it is now. Um, so I was I was kind of like a loafing layabout. But now now I'm I'm basically the only thing I do during the day is work and listen to podcasts while I work. So because Collapsus isn't going to build itself. No, you've got to build it before it can Collapsus. That, that was <laughs> that was a terrible punny like that was a bad joke, but it was kind of. <laughs> <laughs> That was Zoidberg level bad, man. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's all good. I mean, hey, they all can't be, you know, they all can't be um, just home runs. They can't be just out of the park. <laughs> so, um, I have we have we exhausted the whole twin galaxies sort of thing? Yeah, I I, I said my piece. I, I I find it it's just sad in my my opinion. That's all. It, I mean, it, it is. It really it is. is. It really is. Evil dude from Hackers is evil. Even <laughs> yeah, when he's playing Donkey Kong. He is. Okay, so um, do we have anything else? Um, or should we should we sign on out? I'm good. We will what we gonna Well, uh, you guys you guys should take the opportunity to plug your projects, yes. let everyone know where to follow you on social media and things, and then uh, why don't why don't we tell everyone what we're gonna do for the next episode? Cajun, do you want to? Since you were introduced first, do you want to go first? I'll let you go first, since uh, you went last. We'll switch positions on it. Okay, that's what she said. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so um, I'm like I said, uh, Graham McClure, uh, game um, host creator of Game Over Game On. I um, recently started streaming. You can watch me on Twitch. It's usually on the weekends, Friday nights, Saturday nights. Not tonight. 
two to three nights a week, usually Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or whatever. And um, I'm streaming Destiny 2 at the moment because that's the only game I play right now. But you can watch me at twitch.tv slash brigadoon564. That is B-R-I-N-G-A-D-O-O-N 564. The Twitter's the same thing. It's brigadoon564. All that other stuff. I don't have any Twitch panels. I've been working on it. It just slowly build up. I've just been streaming mainly to get the feel of it. And uh, it seems to be going decently. Um, and you can always... You can watch... Uh, you can check out the GoGo Show on YouTube. That's Game Over Game On on, on YouTube. That's what we go by. And there's Twitter, Game Over Game On. My personal Twitter is Brigadoon564 on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got to pimp. You have a lot more than I do, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, again, this, I'm Cajun. as uh, what you guys will see me everywhere as. If you happen to see uh, just someone going by Cajun or Cajun Coding or Cajun Coder in some random mobile game, that's probably me. Not always, but usually. Um, I am at Cajun underscore coding uh, on Twitter. That is my main social place. Uh, you can find NDV Podcast in its current incarnation um, uh, at indiegamelaunchpad.io. It's a great place to keep up to date with um, new games and stuff like that. They've been an awesome host for me for a long time. Um, there is, we're in, uh, I'm in talks with some other developments about the show coming up. Uh, you'll probably hear about that first here on this show. Um, but it is unfortunately been on uh, hiatus since last July or so due to um, being affected by Hurricane Harvey. Uh, I do have an episode that has gotten recorded. I'm waiting to find that file so I can release it and edit it and all that. But um, so stay tuned on that. Stay tuned to the episode to this show if you want to stay up to date with that as well. And again, Twitter is Cajun underscore coding. And I'm Rocket Box developer. Woohoo! Eventually, I'll have a demo out. Jay and uh, I am Jay Kid. Um, I am the creative director here at Wraith Games. Um, you probably, uh, well, entirely possibly that you found us uh, through uh, Wraith Games. Um, we are a team of about twelve developers from just outside of Hamilton, Ohio, or just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, in Hamilton. Um, so we've been, we've been developing, uh, for quite a while, uh, we're the creators of Collapsus and Radarkanoid and Jetpack Hero and Physics and a whole bunch of stuff. Um, we're going to be at PAX East, uh, on April 5th through 8th as well. And you can come play our game. Uh, we actually have a huge announcement during that period of time. Um, but you can find us wraithgames.com, um, also on Twitter, um, at Wraith Games, on Facebook, Wraith Games, on Instagram, Wraith Games, all of it. Um, we are very searchable. We even have a Wikipedia page, uh, so very easy to find us. Um, my personal Twitter is S-I-R-K-I-D-D-2-0-0-3, um, and that's just a, a way to get a hold of me, um, if, for whatever reason you do. But I do the tweeting and all the social media posts for Wraith Games. Um, so, Grant, why don't you tell our wonderful, wonderful audience what we are doing next time? Okay, did we? Okay, so like uh, Jay was saying in the beginning, the first our first pilot episode, and it's going to be bi bi monthly. Well, it's going to be one episode is going to be news, and we're going to talk, and we're just going to catch up, and you know, shoot the just hang out and talk. A little, a little uh, correction onto that. We are bi-monthly. Bi-monthly means once every two months. Di-monthly would be uh, twice a month. 
Oh. Unless I'm getting that wrong, in which case I'm the jerk. I don't know. And I'm sorry. I I, just, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I always, you know, the, the bi-weekly thing, like it was like, but I guess it's going to be. You're like, right. Dot. Uh, yeah. So dot, I'm, I got that mixed up. I am so sorry for interrupting you. Then. No, it's all good. It's all good. I just remember only way I remember is like paychecks. You're like people get paid bi-weekly. So it's like yeah. every two weeks. So that's so. First episode, like Jay was saying in the beginning, is news and all that good stuff. The second episode of the month is going to be about a game we're playing, and it's usually, I guess, both of those episodes will have a guest. This episode's a pilot episode. We're working out the kinks and all that fun stuff. Um, I thought I thought that our um, our topic episodes would not have a guest. It was only the game episodes. Okay. All right. So yeah, the game episodes we're gonna have a guest, and I guess we'll probably talk about their game or whoever the guest and and all that stuff. But it'll be mainly focused on whatever game we're going to be playing, and that game is I I just picked it out because everyone was like, "Hey, this is this game's weird and it's hot and it was hot right now when we finally decided to do this." But it's a lot probably legions of people have played this game already. But it is Doki Doki Literature Club, and boy howdy, is it awesome! And it's free. <laughs> Now, normally, uh, this would be where I would tell you to go to our Patreon and support the podcast. Uh, it's the Wraith Games Patreon. Um, but it is not live yet uh, as as of this recording. It'll be live uh, shortly after. Um, that'll help us actually pay for the games that we play on air, as well as for our Podbean stuff and, and all that jazz. And also, it'll help with the development and event going and stuff for the Wraith Games Studio. Um, so look for the, uh, the future where we're going to be doing a Patreon. Um, on top of that here, very, very shortly, we're going to begin doing Wraith game streams of the games that we're playing. Um, and then obviously, uh, Cajun and, uh, Grant are probably going to be streaming the stuff that we talked about on their channels as well. Um, and like I said, each, each games episode, we, play entirely separately so we exist in a vacuum so it's we're able to come together yeah yeah uh, we, and talk about them better yeah like you're saying we we play the game and then we come together and we discuss it and i'm actually super interested for you to play this game jay because there is some interesting coding stuff that could possibly be happening in the background uh-huh and i'm interested in your opinion on it but <laughs> the game is again doki doki literature club it's on steam it's free it's not for kids. There's a big mature thing. This is, it's an adult game, not via nudity or anything, but it says it's, it's a horror game, visual novel, real weird, but super awesome. There's very psychological, um, mind twisty stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's now, um, it's just, it's awesome. It's just, it's awesome. (laughs) And there's another game now, that should... I'm going to refer to when we discuss it, but I'm super excited for this ep- the next episode. Now, um, how this is going to work is for the first several episodes, we are going to be picking games that we just want to talk about. But um, when we launch this Patreon, it'll be up to you guys to decide what we do. And so for uh, for patrons, uh, they get to they get to vote on the next game we're going to play, and also for higher level patrons, they get to make. Uh, calls as to what we will be playing on these uh, these podcasts. That's, so uh, once we, that's cool. Yeah. Um, once we launch that, uh, I think you guys are are going to be really excited. Um, also, is there an email where if there's people listeners who have played this game that they want to give in their two cents 
somewhere that they can email you at or they most definitely can. Um, and that would be podcast at wraithgames.com. I was hoping you had something there. And like, in all honesty, I'm like, I hope he has something. I'm going to mention this. And I just <laughs> I hope he is like, uh, oh, crap. <laughs> no, no, I am. I'm always more prepared than that. All right. Sadly. Yeah. I'm, I'm sadly always more prepared than that. That's great. That's, that's awesome because my, Goal bare minimum because when you exceed, people are amazed, and when you're just at expectations, everyone's like, "Oh, hey, I expected that." <laughs> That's why I set my bar low. Yeah, then you're never disappointed. Um, the The problem with Wraith Games is uh, anyone who has ever seen us at a convention or read our Twitter or went to our website and read our blog or whatever um, knows that we always shoot for the moon, and somehow. I don't know how, but we have yet to fail. Um, anytime we set our minds on doing something, it just happens. And so that's how we, we it's always hard work getting to that point, but we've not, we've not failed anything we actually wanted to do. Yeah. So don't lie. You read, <laughs> the, you read, you read the secret. Cause right? you have a damn good game and Jay is a cult of personality in, yeah. in and of himself. I appreciate that because I don't know why people keep listening to the words that come out of my mouth, but yeah. apparently they do. So uh. <laughs> you just li- you just read the secret. That's all you did, and uh, you can be a success. <laughs> do you know what the? Okay, so so this is the longest in slate in the history of ever. Yeah, um, I did read the secret, and it's garbage. It's <laughs> hot garbage. <laughs> I think that's a good note to end on. Yep. So uh, this is Jay. And Graham McClure. And Cajun. Signing out. Have a great night, everybody. See ya. Welcome to the Two Dudes and a Dev podcast. And I did that in reverse. I meant the <laughs> Two Devs and a Dude podcast. And this is why we do a drive. Keep it. I can. I, what I'll do is I could edit all this and put it on the end. Like I could put like a thirty second silence part and then just put the bonus like flow. All of yeah, Jay's bloopers are great. Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one. Hi, welcome to the two dudes and a dev. God fucking damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Please, please make out the final thing you hear in this episode. (laughs) That's great. great. Uh, Oh, God. All right. (laughs) One, two, three.